This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Two of coal's pollutant legacies are acid mine drainage and fly ash, the waste from burning coal. Studies show that stopping fly ash with acid mine drainage may actually help. Some fly ash having very successful ability to neutralize acid mine drainage. That story and more this West Virginia Morning. Today is National Voter Registration Day. As Randy Yowie reports, recent West Virginia election numbers show every vote does count. As November 8th Election Day approaches, nearly 100 voter registration drives are underway throughout West Virginia. Secretary of State Mac Warner is personally leading drives in high schools, targeting the 18-year-old demographic that historically has low turnout numbers. Warner says the recent primary demonstrated the win-or-lose weight that a single vote carries. We had 43 races in the state of West Virginia that were decided by less than 10 votes in the primary. So when you hear every vote counts, those are examples that it does count. Warner says with recent state redistricting, counties are still making precinct adjustments. And if you have any questions, contact your county clerk's office now. October 18th is the last day to register for the November 8th election. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. The Women's Center of West Virginia stopped providing abortions immediately after the state legislature banned the practice last week. As Caroline McGregor reports, the organization will continue to offer resources to women. The legislature vote to ban abortion in the state of West Virginia was signed into effect on Friday by Governor Jim Justice. Executive Director of the Women's Health Center of West Virginia, Katie Quinones, said in addition to providing health services that include birth control, family planning and parenting support, the center will help women seeking a pregnancy termination by guiding them to sources of funding for an abortion, including travel, lodging and childcare. In the meantime, they've reached out to women to cancel previous appointments for an abortion, leaving many in shock. One of the patients that we spoke with on Wednesday evening was a 16-year-old. She was driving in the car with her mother and she began crying and said, I don't understand what's happening. Can I please give the phone to my mom so you can explain it to her? Quinona said West Virginia ranks 49th in the nation for women living in poverty. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor in Charleston. Before many bridges were built and decades before cars were invented, the way to get across the sprawling Ohio River was by boat. There are only five remaining ferries left on the river today. As Liam Niemeyer reports, the boats that still chug along are the heartbeat for some small communities. It's been his routine for decades at the Caven Rock Ferry, shuttling passengers between Crindon County in western Kentucky and southern Illinois. Cars rumble onto the barge. The barge is unchanged from the dock. And the boat named Lonnie Joe roars to life, pushing from the bank of the Ohio River. 62-year-old boat pilot Rick Turner knows this wheelhouse like the back of his wrinkled hand. Yeah, this is your, your steering rudder right here. We don't have backing rudders on this boat. It's a single engine. And some of the gear displays in the boat are just a bit younger than he is. Oh, yeah, it's pretty. It just comes natural anymore. This free ferry ride takes about 500 cars across the river each day, including trucks carrying lumber, 
tourists that come all across the country, and Clara Talbert, who's been riding the boat since the 1960s. I mean, I've got six grandkids, and they've all grown up riding it back and forth, back and forth. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's just a part of our life. It's just part of our life. And ferries like these used to be a part of life for many more Ohio River communities back in the day, from Huntington, West Virginia, to Shawneetown, Illinois. Several of the ones that still exist started in the early 1800s when they were much more of a necessity for trade and transportation. Travis Vasconcelos with the Howard Steamboat Museum in southern Indiana says Louisville had four river ferries at one point. One kept operating into the 20th century, but then a passenger bridge was built in 1929. And when it did, the ferry boat business literally dried up and died overnight. And it was kind of sad because it was an over-100-year-old ferry operation. And many other river ferry crossings meant a similar fate when bridges were put in decades ago. Vasconcelos says there have been a couple of attempts to bring back a ferry operation in Louisville to no success. He says the nostalgia and history of such ferries is worth preserving, but some people need more than that to buy in. At least one Ohio River ferry gets rented out for events like dances. If you're not just preserving a road, a roadway connection between the banks, then you have to offer something that gets people involved, and that's the sad part because it's taking away from what the experience really is. A ferry can preserve a community's cultural heritage, Gary Bowden is the president for the Sistersville Ferry Board, which traverses the Ohio River between West Virginia and Ohio. I use the term sometimes a West Virginia treasure because it's the last operating ferry in the state. The ferries existed since 1815, but was at risk of closing recently because they were struggling to find a new boat pilot. The previous pilot eventually came back to run it. Bowden says it's the stories of passengers that keep the ferry afloat. They'll tell you that, golly, uh, you know, I remember when I used to ride this when I was a kid, or we drove down from, you know, could be an hour away just so we could say we rode it. Back on the Caven Rock Ferry in western Kentucky, Clara Talbert leans on the railing, enjoying the breeze rolling off the Ohio River. And I'm glad I'm part of the history of it that I get to enjoy it. She hopes river ferries like this one stick around for future generations. For the Ohio Valley Resource, I'm Liam Niemeyer. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 750. Areas of fog this morning becoming mostly sunny today. Highs in the 70s and 80s. Clear tonight, lows in the 50s. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. Highs in the 80s and low 90s. Rain and thunderstorm and rain and thunderstorms Thursday and cooler with highs in the 60s and 70s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Taurus Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TaurusSaveAlaw.com. Two of 
coal's pollutant legacies are acid mine drainage, the waste from mining coal, and fly ash, waste from burning coal. Studies show that storing fly ash with acid mine drainage can neutralize the acid. In fact, putting fly ash into former mine sites is done across the world, including India, West Virginia, and Wyoming. A recent study called Water Quality Implications of the Neutralization of Acid Mine Drainage with Coal Fly Ash from India and the United States found that the combination can be toxic and include things like arsenic, lead, and more. The contents depend on where the coal is mined. Jessica Lilly spoke with one of the researchers to find out more. A recent article published in Fuel, which is a science journal source for research work in fuel science, found that there could be uh, a little more to the story about acid mine drainage and the combination of coal fly ash. At power plants, burning coal to create energy generates waste in the form of fly ash. And for years, the energy companies have put it in impoundments with wet storage and also in dry storage dumps as well. And a few years ago, companies began using it in underground coal mines. This idea was that this would be beneficial to help neutralize the acidic content that comes after coal mine is is removed in the form of acid mine drainage. One of the researchers and authors, Avner Van Gosh, is a professor of environmental quality at Duke University. Dr. Van Gosh, what did you and your colleagues find? Does it work to take fly ash when it's combined with acid mine drainage? Does it neutralize it? It depends what fly ash are we talking about. Is it because of the type of coal that is mined here in West Virginia versus the coal that's in Wyoming? That's exactly the key why those different fly ash would not be the same because of regional coal. Some fly ash having very successful ability to neutralize acid mine drainage. The Appalachian fly ash, those fly ash that we use so commonly in West Virginia and, and, and the Appalachian area, has pretty good capability of neutralization. However, because of the chemistry of the fly ash and because of it contains high concentration of some contaminants like arsenic, selenium, molybdenum, some elements that we know that very uh, could hurt human health and the environment. When we're doing this interaction of acid mine drainage with the fly ash, we actually find a negative impact on the treated effluent. So it's like pick your poison. On one hand, we are reducing the acidity of the acid mine drainage and it's becoming no acid anymore. And therefore it's very beneficial. However, on the other hand, we are generating what we call secondary contamination and those effluents kind of gaining what we are seeing in the fly ash. Just talk briefly about what those dangers are and to, to human health and the environment. Even a small amount of arsenic could be devastating for your health. The fact that it's coming from naturally occurring has nothing to do with its uh, toxicity and its impact on human health. The quality of the water in West Virginia is, is, is one of the best I've ever measured. However, once you start to have mining, mountain top mining, 
and or acid mine drainage, this high quality of, of water becoming deteriorated very quickly. So yes, so it, it is naturally occurring, but it has nothing to do with its impact on human life. And the practice of placing the fly ash in these abandoned mines, is that basically found wherever you find acid mine drainage and mining, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio? I believe it has been started particularly in West Virginia. And of course, you're at Duke University, which isn't in West Virginia, but can you explain why these things matter? Water is becoming a major issue, and one of the consequences of climate change and global warming that we're all seeing is that water in some areas are becoming more uh, scarce. Um, and we are talking about water, the amount of water, but the water quality in many parts of the world are being degraded because of climate change as well. Preserving clean water is really essential for our next generation to come. What is your hope that residents in West Virginia, other parts of central Appalachia, or even across the country uh, that people might do with these results that you and your colleagues found with this research? First of all, I think is awareness. Regardless of your political belief, regardless where you come from, you have to understand the, the kind of the scientific, the fact that coal ash is, and, and coal mining in general, is really a present challenges to our environment and to human health. And once this awareness will become, I hope that there will be some some kind of political consequences that the people would say, stop hurting, stop uh, polluting our water, uh, that we are not putting ourselves in danger. So I would expect the West Virginia authorities, EPA or whatever, to to jump into that and to test all the water that's coming from those abandoned coal mine and to determine what are the actual risks on the ground for people who are living there. Dr. Abner Van Gosh, Professor of Environmental Quality at Duke University. Professor, thanks so much for your time. It has been a pleasure to work with to talk to you. The study was done in a lab and also found that fly ash did not neutralize acid mine drainage taken from India. The ash neutralized acid in Wyoming without the toxins found in West Virginia mines. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, David Adkins, Eric Douglas, Jessica Lilly, Liz McCormick, Randy Yowie, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning. <music>